Welcome to the Fast Casual QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the QSR Web Podcast with me, your host, QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Editor, Shelly Whitehead. I'm delighted you've dropped in today for a listen because... I know everyone in the restaurant industry at this time is in a very forward-thinking frame of mind. I mean, we've all been witness to the heavier days of the pandemic, which literally catapulted QSRs and fast casuals into a level of off-premise dining never before experienced. That, in turn, left a lot of restaurant operators, managers, and marketers scrambling to piece together solutions that also met the convenience and safety expectations of their customers while still maintaining that personal touch that distinguishes a brand as a customer favorite. Efforts to accomplish just that are at the center of our podcast today, where we'll tap into the subject area expertise of someone who has a lot of experience with limited service brands, particularly in the area of helping them with location tech marketing. Please welcome the COO and CMO of location technology company, Gimbal, Matthew Russo. Thanks so much, Shelley. Great to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, By way of introduction, just letting our audience know that Matthew not only runs marketing as well as product and operation functions at Gimbal, but also is a veteran entrepreneur who has a great track record for helping companies become successful through motivated teams and well-aligned processes. But our focus today is the increasingly important area of restaurant location-based marketing. And that's where I want to start, Matthew. Um, Since we know that customers prioritize restaurants that let them order in advance to the point that it can actually affect whether a diner ever even patronizes a brand or not, How important would you say the speed of a restaurant's execution of that ordering process is to a brand overall? And how fast must a restaurant be in this respect to avoid just turning off diners? Yeah, that is the question today, isn't it? Um, The way we think about it at, at Gimbal is we really break the order process out into three main stages. So that's the ordering process, the prep process, and then the fulfillment process. And QSR is unique in that those three stages happen in relatively fast sequence to one another. Um, You know, we also work with retailers and grocery stores and um, their flows are a little bit different. Retail, um, the order and prep should happen as uh, quickly as possible, you know, right next to each other, simply because, you know, if you're ordering shoes or a, a shirt, that order can be prepped and sit on a, a temporary staging shelf until um, that customer comes to pick it up. Uh, grocery is different, right? The, the order can be placed, but the customer may not want those items immediately. And due to refrigeration and shelf life, and depending on what their order looks like, that prep stage, that second part actually needs to take place very close to when that customer is coming to, to pick up or fulfill that um, order. And so for QSR, um, you know, there's been a bunch of studies that have shown customers who wait less than two minutes for their order to be fulfilled uh, by the time they show up on site, those customers are four times more likely to return in the future than customers that have to wait longer than eight minutes. 
Um, I'm here based here in Columbus, Ohio now, but I just spent the last five uh, years in Los Angeles where our headquarters is. Uh, and you know, for those who are uh, or have been to California, In-N-Out Burger always stood out for me as an anomaly. Um, they're you know part of their brand and, and kind of that aura of their brand is that line around many of their drive-throughs. And it's you know, well, if there's that many people, um, you know, waiting for those burgers and fries, they must be good. But <laughs> the operation side of my brain always thought, man, they could be doing so much more revenue if they streamline that and they cut down that wait time. Uh, for customers. And frankly, we've seen a lot of customers, you know, opting for uh, some brands like Ch uh, Chipotle or Chick-fil-A, where they know that drive-through experience is going to be a lot faster, um, simply because it's a lot more co convenient for those customers. Yeah, I'm one of those customers who sees the line and just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um so, so let's move along to getting you to tell us which restaurant brands are really excelling with their ordering experience by making it, you know, both snag-free and fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ones that come to mind for us, and, and it may seem self-serving, right? We sit at the intersection of kind of the physical world and the digital worlds, but the ones that have really seen the most growth and therefore customer loyalty are the ones who are focusing primarily on the digital uh, channels that they can reach their customers, but then how do they bridge that gap over to the physical world uh, for pickup or, or curbside delivery solutions. So, um, you know, Chipotle is doing some really cool stuff um, in innovating their um, physical locations. Uh, they're rolling out what they call their Chipotle lanes, which are strictly for people who place orders ahead of time through their mobile app. And then they can just literally drive through and pick up that order because they've already paid for it. Um, Sweet Green is kind of an up and comer who has a, a, a strong focus on, you know, uh, local and organic uh, ingredients. But um, I think if I remember correctly, they um, orders that come through uh, their system, uh, almost 80% of them are digitally. So that's either people who order through their app, through their website or through their um, uh, local payment uh, uh, app. And, um, and then the third, which is, you know, uh, kind of an obvious one at this point, but is Starbucks. They started investing very heavily in their digital app uh, in Q1 of 2016, where sales represented just one or two percent of their overall company sales. And now uh, almost a quarter of the entire company's revenues are generated through that app. Uh, and so and again, um, the way we think about it is if you are. Uh, Customers now can separate out that ordering process and looking at what they want from actually being there in the physical store. They can do that portion in their own time, place that order, and then whenever it's um, convenient for them, they can go and pick up either in-store or drive through and have that food or, or drink ready for them as soon as they get there. You know, um, the last year and a half has been all about the drive-through and curbside experience. So, so I'm wondering what types of trends have and are emerging under these fronts? Yeah, uh, it's similar to what I just mentioned. Um, really the, the decoupling of the process. So the ordering ahead and doing that and then you know how customers interact with those physical stores. Um, and really what that means for you know, QSRs and fast, ca fast casual dining you know, groups of the world is that um, before those in-store uh, experiences, really had to cater to a lot of different customer types uh, and, and use cases. There was drive-through, there was dine-in, there was pickup, there was delivery. 
And now we see a lot of brands, like I mentioned, Chipotle and others who are saying, hey, we can separate those two things out. We know customers uh, may want to take their food and, and eat it off premise, and that may be more convenient for them. Um, and so you can actually, frankly, we've seen a lot of groups shrinking down their square footage simply because they don't need to have those big spaces where people are going to hang out and congregate. Uh, we'll see if that trend sticks around, uh, you know, as as the country and the world starts to open up again. Uh, I know I, for one, kind of want to be around people, even though I'm an introvert by default. It is nice to, you know, sit in a space, even if you're not directly conversing with people, just to be around people and, and you know, getting work done or, or going there with your family. Um, but some groups, I think it does make sense to shrink that square footage. Um, and as a result, you, you have better OPEX and um, you can deliver a better customer experience simply because that uh, specific location is just tailored for food prep and, and the pickup uh, service. Um, and related to that, you know, one of the trends that's adjacent to fast casual and QSR is the concept of ghost kitchens. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard of this before, but um, this is where the former founder of Uber is focused right now, which is, hey, you can have a kitchen and facilities to, you know, cook food, but those groups are, you know, primarily they're generating their, their traffic and their orders through online means. And then the delivery mechanism is, is literally delivery services, either through DoorDash or others. Um, and so the downside to, to that approach is obviously brands don't have as much of an opportunity to expose those non-customers to their brand outside of the digital channel. So, you know, there is still a, an uh, opportunity and an advantage of having physical stores that has your brand and your logo uh, sitting next to it or on it um, because those people, if they aren't searching on DoorDash or, or using those digital channels to, to look for food options, you're, you're missing out on that. So I, I think owning uh, or having a, a physical location is still a really big priority, but what those spaces uh, do with inside um, is going to continue to shift over time. You know, in these kind of general areas that we've been discussing, I'm wondering if you can tell us which areas you see that restaurants have the biggest opportunities to really grow and improve? Yeah, I, I think setting expectations through the entire process. You know, we see this and we're used to this in fully digital shopping, shopping experiences online. You know, everybody uses Amazon or Wayfair or, you know, any of the you know, fully digital services. And, and it's not just on the delivery or fulfillment side of the equation. It's also in the shopping experience or right before you place your order. How many are in stock? How long do I need to wait for this process? What alternatives uh, are there to the option that I'm looking at? Uh, my wife and I are, are currently renovating a house. Like I mentioned, we moved back to Columbus and um, we, uh, I'll give you an example. We bought a faucet for our kitchen sink and we got it and we loved it. And then we started using it and realized it actually uh, wasn't quite big enough for the sink that we had. And so we were leaning forward a little bit and had to, um, uh, you know, it was causing strain on our backs for, for lack of a better term. And so we had to find another alternative and we looked online and, you know, all because supply chains are a mess right now, um, we found a couple of options that we liked, but we literally had to make a decision on, do we want to wait two months to have an alternative or do we you know, need something here in the next week or two so that we can return the one we thought we really wanted? And so having a lot of that data, you know, consumers are used to 
that full experience. And I think the same thing is happening um, you know, on the food side as well. Um, one of the brands that I think does really well with this and has for a long time because they were early adopters of it and, and have put an emphasis, continued emphasis on it is Domino's. Um, they were one of the first people to implement uh, what they call their pizza tracker. Uh, and so you place an order and you can literally see a visual timeline of where is my order in the process? I placed the order, now it's being prepped. Now it's in the oven, it's getting ready, it's going through QA. And I think that's a really uh, interesting experience that, again, it's not just specific to, to food. It's, it's uh, you know, kind of embedded in what consumers expect. Where is my order? When is it going to be here? Uh, we see Amazon doing that with uh, their delivery stuff as well. Although I've heard stories they've had to pull that back. Your, your Amazon order is 10 stops away. And I've heard stories of people literally chasing the Amazon truck or the delivery truck down the street trying to get their box off uh, just because they, they thought they wanted it sooner than you know it was actually going to be delivered. So those are the expectations now, and it's not uh, just uh, food specific. Wow. You know, it, when you mentioned that Domino's pizza tracker, I thought, um, you know, my experience with it has been, it kind of has been something that gives me a sense of control, whether I have it or not is irrelevant, but it gives me that sense. Um, now, before I let you go today, uh, I do want to get your take on what kinds of solutions might be out there for smaller or less digitally savage, savage savvy uh, <laughs> restaurant businesses where operators just might be feeling a bit overwhelmed by the logistics of both streamlining that order process and doing meaningful supply and demand planning too. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, originally back out of college and I did a lot of digital consulting and especially with local businesses. And uh, one thing that I've, I've thought a lot about and, and continue to think is that, you know, small businesses don't work any less hard than the big organizations, frankly. Uh, they probably work harder. And so, um, and the point that comes to mind, there's a really great book by Michael Gerber uh, called The E-Myth Revisited. And one of the lines that he talks about is, you know, you need to spend time working on your business, not just in your business. And for many of these small businesses or local, you know, restaurants, um, the owners of the business are fully working in it. They are, you know, making the food and they're, uh, you know, taking orders over the phone and they're uh, cashing people out at the register. And so um, that's to say like introducing another piece of tech or another screen that they need to monitor or another process that they need to train their employees on will not go over well. It's just, they all, they have to do what their business does, which is make the food, deliver great food, deliver great experiences to their customers. Um, and so when we think about products, especially, yes, we work with a lot of big enterprises in, in QSRs nationally that have national footprints, but you know, at the end of the day, technology is really a way to um, streamline a lot of this stuff. And my background is actually in physical product design. And we always said the best designs are the ones that people don't even realize is, is happening. They're just um, baked into the overall product, baked into the overall experience experience. And so those are the ones that can't be seen or, or felt. And so I really like to take, if you remember Ron Popeil, uh, he had the Ronco electric food dehydrator. It's really just, we try and make as, as many of our products set it and forget it as possible. Um, so you log in, you set up your locations, you define those uh, workflows of uh, what uh, payment system you're using, uh, how far away you want to be alerted when your customers are on the way to pick up your order. Uh, and we do this through our new on the way uh, suite, 
for customers. And in that way, um, our customers, and whether you're you know a large uh, retailer or local QSR, um, you can determine, hey, I've got a new order. That customer is seven minutes away. I'm preparing their food. I get a notification inside of my point of sale or um, any other system that they want that that customer has arrived on site and then you can walk that food right out to them. And it, again, it's it's not even just the transparency that we talked about on the consumer side, but that transparency of where the customer is in their journey on the internal operation side, uh, it just works right into their overall workflow and, and makes it a, a good experience for everybody. Well, this has been a great learning experience around a really critical restaurant operating subject there is. So thank you, Matthew. My guest today on the podcast has been Gimbal COO and CMO, Matthew Russo, as well as all of you listening. And Matthew, if anybody's interested in sending you a follow-up comment or query, where can they reach you? Yeah, you can go ahead and check out gimbal.com slash podcast. We made it super easy for everybody to follow us. Terrific. Uh, And that really does it for today's podcast. So uh, I want to wish all of you listening and you, uh, Matthew, a great rest of the day and even better business tomorrow. Bye now.